0: You'll be on beautiful, beautiful, cool. Yeah, it was me, it's me. I'll take that for the team. Um, you know, this morning, um, just I know there's a lot of you who wasn't here this morning. Yeah, well, you didn't really, uh, you didn't miss the word this morning, you didn't miss it, you missed the man of the word, you missed a man. It was sold out for the things of God. That's what you missed. This young man got a, a vision at the age of 13 of what God laid on his heart. Imagine that, young people. At the age of 13, he got a vision from God of what God wanted for his life. Raised in a Christian home, and that was really good. I really enjoyed listening to a young guy from a Christian home. I know, you know, people, uh, a lot of people here, I find it hard sometimes because I, I'm not from a Christian home, so they say, well, you've got the passion, you know. But it was really good to hear a, a young guy, well, he's not young anymore, he's, uh, well, he's not too bad, actually. He's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's just clocked over 40, last day after my birthday. Please feel free to bless me on my last day. Um, <laughs> yeah, practical love, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, just to see a guy that was raised in a Christian home and so early in his life, uh, he sat at his grandmother's funeral. And uh, if you missed those words, you can buy a CD now for two bucks. You could have heard him for free this morning. Because um, we're actually, I don't think we're podcasting that. We didn't actually uh, record it for podcast. But just to see a young man from a, from a Christian home just rise up stand at his grandmother's funeral and, and kind of renounce the words that were said and said, you know what, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different. So he's just over 40, he planted a church in Parramatta a number of years ago. Uh, he's planted a church in China. He's going to go and plant, he's planting another church in China, uh, just working with church leaders uh, because he doesn't necessarily go into uh, house church programs because he's not allowed to. But a man with, 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 knows what he wants. He knows what he wants. He's known what he's wanted from the age of 13. Wow. Isn't that good? Oh, that excites me, you know? That someone at the age of 13 can know what they want. And you know, for those that are, that are, that are 30, that are 40, that are 60, this guy, his dad is 60 years old, and he said, Dad, you got 20 more years to make sure you make a difference in this world. That's what he challenges his dad to. you got 20 years, dad, to make sure that you make a difference in this world. So here, here's a young, uh, well, for, a 40-year-old challenging his dad to what his dad should be doing. And I just, I just take my hat I, I off. You know, I just love when people just say, you know what, this, I know, I'm, my mind's made up, God's shown me what he wants, and I'm going for it. And you try and stop me. And I'll tell you what, the gates of hell will break down because he knows what he wants. God's given him his, his vision. God's given him a heart. God's given him his word, his promises. And the gates of hell will not prevail, but that God will move forward using him. So you missed a man of the word this morning. Anyway, this evening I, I want to talk on uh, signs of a servant. Signs of a servant. Signs of a sermon. servant. Servant, And, you know, I, I've, I don't know if it's just me of what I've learnt over the years. Um, and uh, now that I can speak with a lot more of authority and wisdom, being at the age I'm at, and uh, experience. Um, so anyone, you know, you, you, one day you'll get to experience that too, for those that aren't quite my age. Um, and those that are over my age, they know what I'm talking about when it comes to wisdom, experience and maturity, supposedly. Um, I think you can get it at this age, hopefully. Signs of a servant. But just kind of like looking at life over the last, uh, it's a hard one to say, 40 years. Uh, looking at life over the last 40 years and just doing some of the dynamics. You know, I, I think uh, some of the things that taught me how to be a servant were most some of the things that I hated the most. Uh, one was um, being an apprentice plumber an apprentice that you had to uh, learn to um, just do what you were told you know when the boss said hey um, I'm just going to go in here and talk to this guy you just wash the van wash the van okay I'm paid to wash the van I'm an apprentice I'm here to learn and you want me to wash the van nah wash the van mate or you're going to get the sack or maybe I'll wash the van and, uh, and so, uh, you know, things like that, uh, you know, a few times when uh, my mouth got a little bit away on me, the boss would pull me in and say, uh, you know what, the boys think you're a really good worker, but you've got a big mouth. And uh, so what we're going to do for you for the next month is we're going to put you in the workshop and uh, you can s- learn how to sort out fittings. And uh, I don't know if you've ever done that, if you've ever sorted out fittings in a workshop for a month, but it's quite boring. Real boring, actually. Uh, but you learn real fast that, uh, that, that, that you kind of, as an apprentice, you're, you're a bit of a servant. you kind of like, you know, dig the trench, dig the trench. That's what you get told to do. That's what you do. Okay, you sweep up after the tradesman. You sweep up, you clean the van. You, that's what you do. Uh, even playing something like football where you work in a team unit and uh, you start to realize that uh, uh, when you, you're playing in a team, you're not there for yourself, but you're there for the benefit of the team. And so you, you learn to kind of just kind of sometimes, you know, just take, take a bit of a hit for the team or you, you kind of, there's things that you learn real quick when you're playing in, in a team sport because it's not about you. Uh, especially sometimes, you know, I don't know if you've ever had it, for those that have played sport, you kind of play with a, um, a captain that you don't like. You know, you ever had that? Yeah, you had the odd one, you know. And so, you know, I, I've had the one where you're arguing with the captain on the field. You know, I, I once was the vice captain, he was the captain. And uh, we came over, and the coach says, "We you to shut up? And I'm like, well, I don't like the plays he's making, you know what I mean? And, I'm like, and he goes, well, you're going to have to put up with it. And you think, okay, yeah, well, I do, because I'm not the captain. So there's things like that, but you have to learn how to somehow fit in and work in. And um, it, it takes time to learn that stuff and to, to grow in it. And, and, and in, in, the, in, in this thing called the body of Christ... Or in this thing called the the church, or in the world, in the community that we live in. There's a lot of places where God says there's 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 signs of a servant. There's these signs of a servant. And uh, Jesus talked about it in uh, John chapter 13. He talked about being a servant, and he he said this in John chapter 13. And I'll just read from uh, one first. And it says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew... ...that his hour had come to leave this world and to return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything... ...and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist... And poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel he had around him. You know, one of the things I've learned over the years in in, in, in serving God is um, that as you serve God, you actually serve people. And uh, early on um in 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 me starting kind of like uh, what would you call ministry, or I just call it my life, my my full my my, my life to God uh, I had to learn to really just fit in and, and do things. And I believe that, that having played in football teams and, and being an apprentice helped me. It was no big deal for me to kind of do whatever was going uh, when it came to, to ministry. And, and you, know, I've, you know, I've done a lot of things. Cleaned a lot of toilets. Uh, done, uh, you know, a lot of uh, bus ministries. We were just packing away buses and doing a lot of on-the-road stuff and, and things like that. Done a lot of that. Just get in and, and get it done and uh, see what God does. But, you know, the, the question comes here when it comes to a sign of a servant. And uh, what is it to serve? I, and I want you guys to just, I want to throw this out to you, to, to, for, for you guys. What is it? Maybe you won't see that. Hopefully you'll see that. What is it to serve? Can you see that? Hopefully, yeah. Just go. You can hear me speak. What is it to serve? What you, what's your idea of serving? Obedience? Obedience? To who? Confidence. Yeah? Who's second? Pastor? <laughs> I'm just throwing it out, you know. Could be, could not be. Eh? Hey? Yep, authority. <laughs> Sorry, what'd you say? He's paying you. He's pa- who's paying you? Yeah, that's good one. Yeah, you would. God says that. God says actually serve them when they're not watching you. Who's paying you? Pardon? What those over forty, or you know? <laughs> Obedience. What is? What, to serve? What is it? To serve? What is, is sacrifice. Sacrifice. It's obedience. I like that. Someone first, yep. Before you, you know those ones you know when you're, you're at the shopping centre, you know, and you're in a rush somewhere and there's a line, and uh, you can see that it's real short that line and so you run over, you see everyone else running for it, but you, you, you're gonna you're gonna beat them, cause you wanna be in line first, you know, nah stuff it, I'm going first and so you just, you know, you know it's a real old, little old lady, and, but, and she's got a big basket, you know and, and she's kinda like, and you're like no, I've only got one or two, I'm gonna run over you know and so uh, that's what you do. Everyone's laughing because that's what they do. That's good. That's good. Humility? Yeah. Got that one? Final say. You know, you know, you know uh, someone first before you. I don't know any verses off the top of their head. You know, what I mean, any scriptures that come to your mind? Yeah, you know, If you can't quote it off the top of your head, the verse, um, that's okay. But if you know the scripture itself or what it roughly talks about. Yeah. Sorry? The last shall be first. You don't know where that is? Gospels, yeah, it's in Matthew chapter 20. Okay? Someone, the first shall be last. Who here wants to be the first in the kingdom of heaven? Who wants to sit at the right hand of the Father? Come on, you all do, don't you? You want to be first in the kingdom of heaven? Hey? You want to be first? You want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? Oh, you know, you've been too humble now. No, I'm just going to be the low man in the kingdom of heaven. You know what? You know what? I want a mansion in heaven. You know, I don't know. You can, you can have your little house that you've got in Glossody or wherever it is. Okay, but I'm going to have a mansion. Because Jesus said I can have it if I want it. So I'm going to take the mansion. And if you want to stay in your little house in Richmond or Hobartville or Glossodia or Courageong Hills, you can stay, or Mossman, wherever it is, you can stay in your little house. I'm going to get a big gold mansion. Okay? Now, I'm just saying that because God offers me that, so I'm going to take whatever He offers. But if you want to be first in the kingdom of heaven, God says, what do you got to be? You got to be last. You got to be prepared to serve. And I'll, 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 you know, I'm not scared to say that I want a big mansion in heaven. Now, you might be thinking that's too proud, but if God offers it, I'm going to take it. He says, in my Father's house and many mansions, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't tell you. Like, cool, tell me. And then he tells me what they're going to look like. So, cool. And then he tells me if I do things, i get rewarded. Cool. He says, so I'm faithful to winning souls and he will reward me. Cool. So I'll be faithful to winning souls. He says that if I lead well, and I care for people's souls. He says that it will reward me. Cool. So then I'll try and, and lead well to the best that I can. And I'm going to get the rewards. He says if you, if you, you live in perseverance, there'll be a crown of glory, a crown, a crown of life that'll be waiting for you in heaven. Cool. I'm going to go for the crown of life. Why is it that we're so successful on earth yet we don't want to be successful in heaven? I want to be successful in heaven, so I'm going to go for the crowns that are offered to me in heaven. Is that okay? Cool. Then I'm not going to be last in the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to try and be first for the glory of God. But I know to be first, God says that I must be last here on this. That's hard. That's not easy. That goes against everything that I am. It really, really goes against all that I am. I'm a competitive bloke. But God says that I must be last if I'm going to be first in Matthew chapter 20. God says also, the word of God says that to, to, uh, to look after the needs of others before you look after the needs of yourself in Philippians and Corinthians. God says that, 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 that Paul says in, in the scriptures that he had no better man uh, but, but Timothy who would naturally care for your soul. Naturally care for your soul. So so here we have these scriptures here talking about what is it to serve? It means to be obedient to authority, to elders, to sacrifice. It means to to put someone else before you. Letting others have it, letting go of the final say. Wow, that's kind of not real good English there, writing. Final say. Cool. It's all right. That's F there. I-N-A-L. That's how you spell final. If you didn't know, well, now you know. Okay. Letting go of the final say, you know. Always having to have the last say. Cool. What else? Pardon? Be determined to the end. What is it to serve? Oh, I love that. Determined to the end. Determined to the end. Letting go of final say. You know, I like that. I like that, eh? Jesus said this, say. Eh? He had the final say. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wow. That's a pretty hard out last word, isn't it? Just before he died. Forgive them, Lord. And then he died. Determined to the end. What else is it to serve? Sorry? Willingness. Yeah. You've got to be willing. Who are you serving? Others? Patience? We need patience to serve, sacrifice, patience. Yeah, you're serving Christ. Who else are you serving? Whoever. Whoever. That's good. Whoever, you're serving the body of Christ and you're serving those that don't have Christ. Ask yourself this question. How did Jesus serve people? Healed them. Wow. Yeah. Sorry? He delivered. He delivered. Delivered them. Oh, now you're testing my English. <sighs> from bondage. Del- yeah, sacrifice. Yeah, I know it's wrong, okay? So, yeah, have a laugh. That's all right. <laughs> That's good, eh? That's good. <laughs> he delivered them from bondage. He delivered them from evil. He de- Sacrifice. He sacrificed his life. No greater love has this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Whoa. Is that wrong too? Yeah, if you can't read, that's all right. Get some glasses, okay? He delivered them from sin, okay? It's cool, you know? He set the example. Sorry? He fed them, yeah. He fed the 5,000, then he fed... You know what? You know what I love? Jesus fed the 5,000. Then he fed the 4,000. And then he said, Come, follow me. And they all walked away. 70 were following him for a little while. And he said, Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. He says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the eternal life. Follow me. 12 followed after he fed them. Wow, I wonder how many of us are willing to serve to see little results. I know that's hard because God says we can see results. Okay, But he set the example. He fed them. Uh, Denise, you threw out a word there. Sorry, I missed that. He lived. Oh, I love that one. This is servanthood. He lived and he walked with them. He became poor. He became poor. Yet he was rich for our sakes. Yeah. He raised the dead. He healed. He raised the dead. Anything else? He spent time. He spent time with people. You know, I, I was kind of like, there's a lot he did, man, there's a heck of a lot of stuff Jesus did in his life. And, and, and then he comes to the Word of God, and to, to, to chapter 13, and um, he says this, who, who, who wants to be a servant here? Who wants to be a servant? In Matthew, uh, Matthew 20, he challenged them because they they were wanting to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They wanted to sit at his right hand and at his uh, at the right hand of the father. And he said, "You know, if you want to sit at the right hand of the father, that's not for me to give. That's for the father to give. He's the one that chooses that." He says, "But if you're going to be first in the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have to be last." He gave a lot of things there. And even here in chapter 13, he said he talked about servanthood here. And he said that he said, it says he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. Jesus' love lasted right to the end of, of when he died and when he rose again. He never ever gave up on his disciples. And, and let me tell you that if you're going to really be a servant of God, that your love is going to have to last right to the very end for people. And, and, and that's a big ask. The Word of God says that our, our love should overflow, that we should have more love, and that it should be overflowing. That our love should be like that. And to be a servant, we have to be willing to love people right to the very end. Now, I know if I was to ask everyone who can love someone right to the very end, I bet you we'd get a lot of hands going up saying, no, I struggle with that, Roger. I really struggle with really loving people all the time, every time, with everything I've got. But God commands that off us. He not only commands, He demands it in in a way that it frees us and liberates us and doesn't hold us into bitterness and hate. But God commands and demands that we would love people in spite of everyone else's differences. And God said that this is a true servant that would love. And and if you were to get a real good picture of love, it it would be even in your own home. That that most probably for the majority of you, you would love either your mum or dad or your family to the death. No matter what they do, you'll love them to the death. Whether it be your children, whether it be your mum, whether it be, you know, I look at my dad and we've had a few struggles over the years. We've had a lot of struggles, uh, you know. Had some ups and downs in regards to, especially when I came to faith. Especially when I got caught growing marijuana. I'm not sure what he got too upset about, but you know he got upset. You know, uh, you know when I was nearly going to get sacked from my apprenticeship, he got he got upset. I'm not sure what he got upset about, but it, you know it just didn't click with him. Told me once I, uh, that I dressed like a scruff, and uh, you know I was wearing bare feet and just ragged jeans. I'm not sure what he was too upset about. But, you know, he kind of didn't like that. And so, you know, but there were there was times in my life when I, when I look back and my dad gave everything that he could to me. He, he did all he could in a real practical way. My dad was real practical that if it was there for sports, he was managing the team just so he could be there on a Saturday. So he could really participate. When it came to athletics, he, he kind of got right involved where he was hitting up the, the management of Auckland uh, field and tri- athletics events. So he he did that kind of like for us as children. So my dad was real practical, and and and, and then we had kind of like our ups and downs in that the age of between like sixteen to nineteen. Because I, I went through this kind of like wild journey of life, you know what I mean? Moved out of home. And so we had a few ups and downs. We kind of clashed every now and then. And even when I was a bit younger, in my head, I was kind of clashing a little bit now and then with my dad, you know, when you're thirteen or fourteen, you're like and it tell you something to do or he'd tell you off, you go, Oh, I'm gonna run away and I'm gonna kinda of live my own life and, and be who I wanna be. Oh, hold on. I got no money. I haven't got a job. I'm still not educated. Well, maybe I'll just delay that for a few years. You know what I mean? And so there was a few ups and downs in that relationship. It's funny, you know, when, 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 my, when my brother rings and my mum rings and they say my dad's struggling with his health, I want to be with him. He's my dad. I love him. I'm not going to depart from that love. There's a bond there that will never love to the end. And that's most surely a lot of yous here even though you most likely would struggle with with some things that happen in your home, you would struggle with some of the things you maybe your parents say, or the parents struggle with some of the things your children do, you'll have a love to the very end. The question I ask myself is, why can't we translate that over into the spiritual parenting and dynamic of the community called the body of Christ and to the world? That's the challenge that I give myself. And I know that God wants that of me. I know because, you know, it's like, how, how, does, how does a young man, dig this, how does a young man murder his mother and his brother, his only brother that he had, and his dad get up at the funeral and say, I forgive him? How does that happen? Yet in the church, at times, we would struggle to forgive. We would struggle to love to the very end. But in the parenting situation of our family home, we can love to the end, and that's a good thing. It's a real good thing. But I want to translate that somehow into the body of Christ. I want to translate that somehow into friendships where that works with the own people that that you're sitting right next to. I want that to translate. I believe that we can love each other right to the very end. Amen? That's what God would want of your life. That's what he demands of my life. That's what I challenge myself to. How do I oversee my brother's fault here? How do I oversee my brother's criticism? How do I oversee my brother's, not not oversee his sin, but how do I confront his sin in the name of Jesus in a way that is gentle and is meek and is humble so it doesn't make me look better than him, but that it makes me look like that I care for him? How do I love him? to the end because Jesus in talking about being a servant here it says that he loved his disciples right to the very end even when his disciples right at the end they went fishing man what happened there i just spent 3 years of my life telling you how to serve showing you how to serve and you go fishing Jesus says, come on, I'll make you fishes of men. How is it that Jesus could love them to the very end? He would serve them. He would do, every, he would do miracles in front of them. He would give them his life. He would, and right at the very end here, right up at the end of this chapter, Jesus says, I love you this much, but you know what? One of you right here is going to betray me. It's going to betray me. One of you here is going to deny me. How do you love people that betray you? How do you do that? By God's grace, grace, amen. But so easily, we get trapped in our own zone. And we don't let the power of God's grace flow through us. But it stops and we contemplate maybe the hurt that we would go through. Jesus knew the hurt, and he still went through with it. He contemplated the hurt, and he still went with it. They still betrayed him. They still denied him. And even Peter said, oh, no, I won't deny you, Father. I won't deny you, Jesus. I won't deny you. Jesus says, you will deny me. When the cock crows three times, Peter, you will deny me. How do we love to the end, even when we know we've been betrayed? When someone's deceived you, when someone's lied to you, when someone's backstabbed you, when someone's hated you through the whole school, when someone's given you a dirty name, when someone's just really kind of like really dug it in and they've gone against you, they were your friend, but now they're really your enemies. God says that he loved them to the very end. I take that word and I say, God, how do I put that in my life? How do I trans- tra- translate that into one? There's a, there's a biological parent that I am that I can love to the end. I can love my children so much, and they, they, they could most probably disagree with me. They could even every now and then deceive me. They could lie to me. God, they could even now, most probably every now and then, they might even steal from me. Father, they, every now and then, they might even kind of really hate on me and have a bad attitude. Every now and then, Father, they, they might really come against me, but I know as a biological parent, I would still love them. But Lord, I ask myself, and I come to the cross and I say, Father, but how do I translate that into the Christian world where you want to work through me to help others and influence others for the kingdom of heaven? How do I make that a spiritual parental role? Lord, help me. He loved them to the very end. A servant will love to the end. That's what a servant will do. If you're going to be a servant, you're going to love to the end. You're gonna be a servant. The word of God says here, the scriptures say that you will sidestep sin. It says here in 13 uh, chapter 2. He said it was time for supper, and the devil had already be prompted, had the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Iscariot, to betray Jesus. You know what? A servant will sidestep sin. A servant will be faced with sin at the door all the time. You know, I, uh, one of the first, uh, when, I played, uh, when I was younger and I played a lot of uh, football, I played representative football, uh, had training camps, a lot of training camps. And one of the things that they did on training camps is, is that they, 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 they didn't teach you how to be really um, the better than everyone else, they taught you how to do the basics well. And they, they realized that if they taught you how to do the basics well, that you would emotionally be better than everyone else because you did the basics well. And so one of the things that they taught us was a real simple thing is that uh, they just taught us how to sidestep. And, and you would just have a cone in front of you and you would run at the cone, you would sidestep it, you would go to the next one, you would sidestep it, you'd go to the next one, you'd sidestep it. You'd turn around, you'd do that 20 times. Up and down the field, 20 times. Just learning how to sidestep. Learning how to do those basics well. You know, young people, if I could teach you one thing, it's that if you could learn real, real quick and real easy that sin is going to be at your door all the time. The devil is going to be there to tempt you away from the things of God all the time. It's going to be something that you, it's going to be a daily reality, a daily reality. If you would realize that, that this is not something that happens every now and then that people fall into sin. This is something that's in the door every day of your life that the devil would want to tempt you away from the things of God. So sin is at your door every day. So what you've got to come to this place is you have to learn how to sidestep sin. It's going to be there. But you're going to have to learn how not to allow sin to enter into your body and to to, not to let it in, but let it tempt you and to let it come and just be a part of you and not let it grow. James says, the Word of God, James says that God does not tempt you to sin. He says in James chapter 1, let me read it out, in verse 13. It says, uh, it says in verse twelve, and God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Okay, the crown of life is only for those that love Him, that are willing to be patient and that are willing to endure. He says, and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God has never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us, and they drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it's allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, sin, you let sin grow. You you, you just let it grow. It's right there. But you just let it come and be a part of your life. And the Word of God is very clear that God is not not the one that's tempting you to sin. Sin, devil is tempting you to sin. He's trying to tap into your desires of greed, your desires of lust, your your desires, all those, those desires that take you away from God's love. Satan would use those. The Word of God says that, that, that temptation is common to man. It's there every day. And if you are not on your very best in being a servant of God every day, then you are easily going to be sidetracked and pushed into this place where you will let sin become a part of your life. And so you have to learn really early that a servant learns to sidestep sin. He can see it coming. It's right in front of him. And so he says, okay, here it comes. Do I sidestep it? I go around it. What do I do? I turn away from it. The word of God says in Thessalonians that, that when fornication comes, I flee from it. I flee. That means I run real far. I don't stand there and think that I can take it and that I'm some bulletproof guy. No, but I run from it. And so the servant of God learns to sidestep sin. The servant of God learns to love to the very end. The Word of God says that the servant of God doesn't do his own thing. And that's a big one for us. The servant of God doesn't learn to do his own thing. In verse 4 of chapter 13 of the book of John, it says, So he got up from the table, and he took off his robe, He wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. Here's Peter doing his own thing. You know what? He's thinking, you know, Jesus, you don't have to wash my feet. I know what I'm doing. I, I can do this on my own. I know how to handle this. I, I, I know what to do. I know what, I, I what ministry is about. I've been doing it for 20 years. I, I, I know who I am and Jesus. I know all the promises. I know I'm going to heaven. I, can, I, can, I don't need you, Jesus. It's kind of like what Peter's saying right here. He says, well, Peter, protest it. He protest against God. How many of us protest against? Hey, let's just throw out this question: How do we protest against God? Pride. Pride. I will not. What does God want? I will. How else do we protest against God? Disobey. We disobey. Name something that you've disobeyed in. No, oh, I can't be honest here. Let's be kind of like be a bit more practical, eh? Jesus is talking about practicality here. How do you disobey? You do our own thing. What else? How do we protest against God? Pardon? Complain. Complain. We sin. We question. We complain when the Word of God says, be content in all things. I've learned in all ways and everything therewith to be content. We pull back from intimacy with God. How else do we protest against the things of God? We justify, what we're doing. we justify. Can you give us an example? That's a nice big Christian word. Can you give us an example? We justify what we're doing. If God convicts you of something and um you don't want to come in agreement with what God has shown you is wrong, you'll make excuses for why you're doing it. Okay, yeah. yep. Yep. We justify what we're doing. Yep. Good. Good. How else do we protest against God? Sorry? Ignoring the Holy Spirit when conviction comes. Someone else is down here. Turn our back on him when he speaks. One way was even when we're talking here, turn our back on authority. We turn our back on, on, on wisdom. We protest against God. Peter protested. He, he kind of like said, you know what, I can do ministry on my own. Whoa, that's a heavy one. How many of us do ministry on our own? You know? We don't, we don't need. We don't need everyone else. We can just do it on our own. You know, I've found the more that I'm ministry, ministry, the more people I need. I just find that if I try and do it on my own, that I kind of like just really kind of stuff it up. God didn't create me to do it on my own. He he created me as an individual, but He he created me to incorporate myself into a group of individuals that bring totally different dynamics to how I function, to what I am, to who I am, to to glean off them, to learn off them, to get wisdom off them, to, to use the strengths that they have that I don't have. So God incorporated me as an individual, and as He incorporates me as an individual to turn me into the image of God and to refine me and renew me, but God incorporates me into this thing called the body of Christ. But here's Peter, and he's wanting to do it on his own because he thinks that he can do that. But we know that Peter real early fell away. Oh no, you know what? I won't, I won't deny you. Yes, you will. It's, it's so easy. I don't know how many young people I've said when they first come to faith, and uh, I've said, you know what? You, you need to really kind of not hang out with those friends anymore. Why not? Oh, then I'm all right. I'm King Kong, you know. I'm pretty good. I'll hack it. Six months later, you never see them again. Six months later, you never hear a squeak. Six months later, you see them just back in their own way. Maybe there was some wisdom there. Oh, I only learned that wisdom because someone told me. You know what? Maybe you should dish your fringe. Maybe you're going to get tempted and going away. Oh, yeah, I'll be all right not I fell away I was easy tempted then I thought you know what I think they're right I'm struggling here I'm struggling to really make the pace Probably we, experience. sorry Probably experience. Probably wanted, uh, yeah his free will. yeah Amen. Amen. Get down to experience. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed then, Wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet. To be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who, who would betray him. That's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. You know, a servant doesn't do what he wants to do. There's many, many things that you could chase out there. There's many things you could do. But the one thing you must do, this one thing, is you must ask God, God, what is your will for my life? I like asking people, hey, what are you going to do with your life? And they go, oh, this is what I want to do. The next question that's in my mind, and sometimes I back off this, and I don't know if I should, I always want to say, well, what does God want for your life? That's a good thing that you want to do. Nothing's wrong with it, but is that what God wants for your life? It kind of looks good, but is that really what God wants for you? And a servant will love to the end, a servant will sidestep sin, and a servant will not do his own thing. A servant serves to teach. The word of God says here, he says after in verse 12, he says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now that you know them, God will bless you for doing them. How did Jesus teach? Can you answer that? How did Jesus teach? Through action. Through Through example. Through doing it. Jesus didn't teach on a Sunday by just getting up here and saying, you know what, I'm going to teach you how to serve, obey. I'm going to teach you how 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 to sacrifice. Now, if you sacrifice by maybe doing something for someone... Jesus didn't teach in that way. Jesus taught by actually doing it. And and you know what? If we're going to be servants of the kingdom of God, the only way that others are going to get what we do is if they're doing it with you. A parent will teach his children by what he practices in the home. That's where the children will pick it up. That's how they're going to learn because when they they grow up and they, they have their own house or they're living in their own house, they would go, oh, how was it again? Yeah, I love mum's potatoes. She done How did she do that again? Oh, she put lots of butter. She put lots of milk. You know, mum did this, you know, she always boiled, you know, boiled all the good ingredients out of the the, the, the potatoes and then she put milk and butter and she mashed it all up. I loved mum. And mum showed you so you knew how to kind of make mashed potatoes, right? I can make real good mashed potatoes. I'm telling you, I learned heaps. My mum said every day after school, come home and peel the spuds. Why do I have to peel the spuds? Wasn't it Zach, uh, Levo? Not Levo. That's my kids. Wasn't it Galvin's turn? Wasn't it Trevor's turn to peel the spuds? You come home and you 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 know. So I knew how to peel spuds. I knew how to boil potatoes. I knew how to boil sausages. I knew how to burn sausages. I knew how to burn potatoes. Why? Because I turn them on and go out and play and forget about them. And so when I grew up, I always remembered, watch the potatoes. Watch the sausages. I knew how to do all that because it was practiced in my home. I was taught in my home. I know how to scale a fish. I know how to gut a fish because I used to sit there with my grandmother. She'd go fishing and she'd come back and she'd sit there for the next two hours after she'd gone fishing and would sit there and would scale 50 to 100 snapper. And we'd scale them and we'd gut them, and we'd do all that, and I know how to do that, because I learned that. How are people going to learn how to serve? It's people, it's not by you telling them. It's by you walking with them and living with them. See, here it says someone says, "He lived and he walked with them." If you're going to be a servant and you're going to teach someone else, it's not going, your words are not going to carry weight. It's your walk your life is going to carry weight. By you walking with your children, by you walking with the people that you are serving. And if you aren't prepared to walk with them, they will never get it. If you're not prepared to somehow do life with them, they will never get it. Jesus, Jesus never taught in a classroom. His classroom was when he stepped outside the door every day, and his classroom was the daily experiences of life. And that's where he taught. That was his university. That was his classroom. See, I think we, we've we've put we've put down uh, learning experiences down into a classroom, and we've called it a degree. Or we've caught it, you know, we've caught it uh, like a bachelor's, or we've caught it a diploma, or a certificate three, or because we we did it in the classroom and we did it on the whiteboard, and, and I can tell you this that I'm a fully qualified gas fitter. But if you invite me into your home to do your gas fitting, I will blow up your house. I wouldn't have a clue. I just did it in the classroom because I thought it would give me another certificate and it would give me more money. And you know what? It did give me more money. But if you put me in your house, it is very dangerous. (laughs) But I could still charge you $75 an hour to fix your oven. Hopefully. Buy a new one. I just blew it up. You're insured, right? Good. You can get a brand new one now. But that is classroom learning, and we've learned it so well. But I think Jesus did it in such an easy and a significant way. He took people with him, and he did it every day. And if we don't take people with us, they will never learn of the love, of the sidestepping of sin, of the sacrifice of our heart. They would never learn what it is to be a servant, because they never saw it. They just heard the words. They never saw it. They never never felt the intensity of serving. They never felt the intensity of doing life. They never felt what it was to really be confronted by sin and be in the fight of faith. They never felt this, this whole dynamic of living the life that Jesus wanted you to live. Jesus says, that there's these signs to being a servant. One is that the servant will love to the end. Two, that the servant will sidestep sin. Three, that the servant will not do what he wants to do. And four, that the servant will serve as he teaches. A servant never does what he wants because he always hears the words of the master. And we must hear the words of the master. We must be tuned in to hear what God wants for us. That takes devotion, that takes commitment, that takes willingness, that takes sacrifice, that takes all these words and we we can know them and I can write them up on the board and if you've got an iPhone, take a photo of it, will you? If you can't decipher it, Google it, okay? And and we can learn it. But if if we don't do it, God says, I will not bless it. That's what he says right at the end of that verse. He says, if we don't do it, I'm not going to bless it. You can know all the theology in your head. I've done three and a half years of study and I've seen many people, many, fall away from the faith doing their own thing because they weren't prepared to do it. And Jesus is challenging us As a church, not just to speak about it, but to actually do it. And I wonder how many of us here are really serving, really serving the kingdom of God. I wonder how many of us are actually coming under the blessing of God, really being blessed by God, because we're not not just reading this, but we're actually getting out there and doing it, you know what I mean? We're getting out there in the streets, we're getting out there in the workplace, we're getting out there wherever we are, every day, and we're actually serving God the world and Jesus didn't, he didn't have to create some kind of love program he just went out there and he loved people he communicated with them, he healed them he done miracles with them, he laid his hands on them, he listened to them when they sinned, he rebuked them and said go sin no more and they responded out of love. Somehow he was able to give out that love where he was able to rebuke sin. And they were able to say, wow, you just lifted me up. Thank you. And I didn't go sin no more. And they went out and they, they glorified God. And they told the whole community about God. And, and people came to listen to him everywhere. And so there's this whole thing where people just got out there and they just served they just told people about the love of God. They, they listened to people's hurts, and they healed their emotions. They healed their brokenness. They healed their souls. They healed their sicknesses. They healed their weaknesses. People got out there, and they served. And the signs of a servant are right before you. But let me tell you this, okay? If you're going to be a servant, one, as we said before, the Scripture says you're going to have to be last, Okay? In the Kingdom of Heaven, but also I just want to warn you from the point of view of what happened right here when Jesus spoke on servanthood that the first thing that he, he kind of he, he came to this crunch of, is that he knew straight away as as he put his life on the line that he would be betrayed, he would be denied he would be rejected, he would be persecuted, he would be put down, he would be mocked, he would be spat upon he would be, he would be, he'd be whipped and they would take his clothes off him but Jesus says that I've come to serve I've come to wash your feet it didn't stop him it moved him To compassion where he went out in spite of all that he knew and he served his community how many of us are prepared to get off our backsides and really really serve our community to serve our church and I'm not saying the church, just Bridgewater. I'm saying the people of God and to really serve our community. Spell your heads, please. Father, God, you're, you're your desire to love us was greater than anything else. It was greater than your judgment. And God, your desire to, to move us sent you to the cross even though you knew it would kill you. And God, you gave us this very example of washing people's feet as the ultimate of humility and meekness. You were tempted in every way, but you loved to the end. You taught us by how you lived and not what just you said. You didn't do your will, but the will of the Father. You know what? If tonight you feel that you've not served and you've got to step into something great, if that's you tonight, I just, want, I just want you to just raise your hand where you are and say, you know what, I've not served, but I, I, this has is, this is just put me on the edge tonight. And if that's you, if you've lived for yourself, if you've lived for your dreams, and, just, and, and you're challenged tonight and you need prayer, I just want you to raise your hand. keep your hand up there. Just keep it up. If that's you, don't don't be afraid. This is the first step of love of faith, really, I'm telling you, to just step out. Just raise your hand.